Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Columbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Really glad you're with us for the Friday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. And once again, Jim, it feels like it took us a while to get to Friday this week. So we're definitely glad we're here. But good, bad, and crazy martinis for conservatives uh, again today. And yesterday we had two very powerful, very significant uh, martinis on congressional hearings. And that's where we're going to be going a little bit later in this edition of the Three Martini Lunch, specifically in the bad martini. But let's start with the good martini. And it's not often we find them on CNN, but that's where Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin was last night with Jake Tapper. And I believe the title of the town hall was something like the war over education. So very innocuous title there. And obviously education was the issue that really propelled Glenn Youngkin to the governorship in Virginia in 2021. He had been behind until everything blew up in Loudoun County and and beyond. And so one of the things that we've talked about more recently on the podcast, Jim, is uh, the situation where you live in Fairfax County, where I live in Prince William County, again in Loudoun County, and I think other counties, where students were not informed that they had received National Merit Awards, which are significant when you're applying to schools or applying for scholarships. And uh, the explanation we were given is that the students who didn't get them, well, the administrators didn't want them to feel bad, so they just didn't tell the winners either. And so Jake Tapper tries to ask Glenn Youngkin if uh, it's been proven that that's why the winners of these awards were not notified. And Glenn Youngkin basically says, yes, and here's why it matters. Have you seen anything indicating that these administrators did this intentionally, as has been implied, to avoid hurting the students' feelings who did not make that honor? Have you seen evidence of that? Yeah, well, the, the, the Attorney General's investigation is still going on, and so I can't comment specifically on, on those facts. But, but of course, what was, what was suggested and communicated um, by senior officials in schools was exactly that, that they had held back uh, notifying students of their national merit commendation because they didn't want other students to feel bad. And this was more than just one case. Next thing you know, we, we, have, we have over 16 or 17 schools across one school district that this was happening in. The reality is that, that when a school hires consultants to come in and teach equity for all students, equal outcomes for all students at any cost, we end up with these kinds of circumstances. We have to celebrate excellence. We shouldn't embrace equity at the expense of excellence. Students work hard. They should they receive these kinds of accolades. Their parents and their kids should know. Yeah. So kind of bookends this week, Jim. On Monday, we had Bernie Sanders, who didn't know what equity was. And uh, we have Glenn Youngkin, who knows exactly what it is. And so uh, I think Glenn Youngkin crystallized the issue well, and not only with the national merit issue, but the problem with uh, the left's approach to education, where they want equal outcomes instead of celebrating the very best and pushing everyone in that direction. 
Greg, I was a little, uh, I was a little nonplussed. I was a little frustrated this morning when I, you know, logged onto Twitter to see what's going on, and apparently, you know, Youngkin and Tapper had some exchange about uh, the teaching of history standards, and I guess some people felt like it looked like Youngkin was either losing the debate or it looked bad for him or something. I, I went back and I read the transcript. And I think it went well for Youngkin, but your mileage may vary. But I saw some folks, including some folks who I respect, say, ah. This is what Youngkin gets for doing CNN. Didn't he learn anything from the uh, town hall meeting they held after Parkland? Why did he ever think he was going to get a fair shake? This fool, blah, blah, blah. And they were really angry at Youngkin for agreeing to do this. And my first thought was like, well, first of all, we can question how many people are watching CNN primetime on a Thursday night. <laughs> I don't think Youngkin did anything that will be any you know serious lasting damage to his uh political capital or leverage or ability to do his job but I, I think he did really well and i think this is particularly if you believe in the conservative argument on these issues you should not be afraid of republican governors going on you know cable news and saying this is what we believe and this is why we believe it now i do think youngkin did get i'm gonna say tripped up but you know young tapper brought up i think a, a very plausible scenario where usually your answer is okay uh, you know, I want parents to be informed. I want parents to be involved in the decisions. I want parents to uh, have a say in in what their kids are taught and how to handle, say, transgender issues and things like that. And Tapper asked the question of, "What do you do when like two parents have different viewpoints?" And that's a really fair question. I don't even, and here I don't think there's a particular state or school policy that will know really the best way to handle that kind of situation. I don't think this is a one-size-fits-all type circumstance. Um, but I think, you know, Young can correctly punted on that. I think he kind of, you know, didn't, he didn't pretend that he had the right answer on that kind of a very thorny situation. Um, but he, you know, on the questions on critical race theory, he made very clear his, you know, he laid out what he believes kids should be taught in terms about the legacy of slavery, the legacy of segregation, all of that, and then specified critical race theory and the teaching that people are inherently racist because if they believe a certain way, that's what makes him, uh, you know, he finds objectionable and he said she doesn't belong in kids' curriculum. He outright, he explicitly supported teaching all history, the good and the bad about the United States. Book removal policies, uh, the use of, you know, chat GBT, gun laws. I, I really think Youngkin did a very good job on this. I'm, I'm kind of baffled at conservatives who would say, ah, we, we shouldn't have conservatives going out there and reaching audiences who don't already agree with us. How dare they? Um, I, I, you know, I look, do I have my frustrations with CNN? Sure. Do I have my frustrations with MSNBC? Sure. But I don't think Republicans win when they say, well, we're only going to go on Fox News. We're only going to go on networks where we feel like we're going to get friendly questions and we're not going to bother trying to, to persuade anyone who doesn't already agree with us. No, no, I think that's right. And I, I do agree with those who think that Jake Tapper should have a lifetime ban from hosting town halls after Parkland. That was one of the most one-sided things that we've ever seen. Um, the questions last night were generally from the audience, which, of course, CNN screens. And I think Youngkin, for the most part, handled them quite well on whether the parents disagree in terms of a student's uh, identity. The parents should definitely still be involved. I think what Tapper was leaning towards there is that if the parents don't affirm what the student is identifying as, then somehow the parents are are bad parents, which I, I, I definitely disagree with on that. But in the end, I don't think it, it 
affects Glenn Youngkin standing that much one way or the other. I think he acquitted himself well in not an overly hostile environment. It seems like he's making more moves towards a possible 2024 run, which you and I have both said we don't want to see. Some of it's selfish because we want to keep him as governor of Virginia. And also because, you know, basically a year on the job is not exactly what you're looking for when you're looking for the guy to be president of the United States. We like Glenn Youngkin, but uh, we kind of like him right where he is. We'd love for him to be president someday. (laughs) Sunday. Someday. And you should probably finish the job you've been assigned to do before jump. You should finish one term of the job you've been assigned to do, you've been elected to do, before you jump on to the next one. Yeah, there were some interesting polls recently. I can't remember exactly who the source was, but it was in Virginia. And it was, you know, Youngkin actually did quite well against Biden in Virginia, but he got crushed in the Republican primary. People are totally locked in on DeSantis and Trump right now uh, for the GOP nomination. I'm not sure there's much oxygen for anybody else. So uh, while he might be excited about how he do against the current president, uh, he should read the other line, too. So anyway, uh, definitely glad it's Governor Yunkin and not Governor McAuliffe. But here's something that's also good, and that is Four Patriots. You can head over to fourpatriots.com slash martini to see all their great deals, including getting a free solar panel with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. Plus, you'll get free shipping on orders over $97. The Patriot Power Generator 2000X now has double the capacity and is expandable so you can run your big appliances when your power goes out. Your fridge, your freezer, medical devices, and a lot more. Comes with 12 outlets, including four AC, plus two USB-C outlets that can charge your phone 20 times faster than a regular plug. Also, fantastic deals still available on their website in other areas, including the Solar Go Fridge, the Sauna Wrap Therapeutic Blanket, and the Vital Swing Therapeutic Wellness Machine. Visit 4Patriots.com slash martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $97. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number 4Patriots.com slash martini. That's 4Patriots.com slash martini. All right, Jim, on to our bad martini now. And as advertised, on to the, I think this is a special committee, right, that uh, is chaired by Jim Jordan looking at um, government and, and free speech and that sort of thing, or how it's stifling free speech more accurately. A lot of different clips here, both on what the witnesses said, as well as the Democrats' attempt to distract and demonize uh, the witnesses. The witnesses were Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger, who have written the Twitter files, among others. Uh, They were the ones uh, testifying, though. The top Democrat on the committee is actually Virgin Islands delegate Stacey Plaskett, who used her opening statement to really go after the entire concept by saying Taibbi and Schellenberger were Dangerous. Mr. Chairman, I'm not exaggerating when when I say that you have called before you two witnesses who pose a direct threat to people who oppose them. And then she just decided to discredit them as journalists. Greg, let me interrupt there. Yes, you are exaggerating. (laughs) Just a little. Just a little. So then she uh, decided to denigrate the idea that they were even journalists. This isn't just a matter of what data was given to these so-called journalists before us now. There are many legitimate questions about where Musk got the financing to buy Twitter. Yeah, so we got to demonize Elon Musk, too. And so in his opening statement, Taibbi took a little bit of time to defend his record. My name is Matt Taibbi. I've been a reporter for 30 years uh, and a staunch advocate of the First Amendment. Much of that time was spent at Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, Ranking member Plaskett, um, I'm not a so-called journalist. Uh, I've won the National Magazine Award, the I.F. Stone Award for Independent Journalism, and I've written 10 books, including four New York York Times bestsellers. (laughs) 
Then in his testimony, he goes on to talk about lists that were created uh, that were meant to be tamped down with the uh, Twitter algorithm so that what was considered inconvenient information, basically, by the left and by the folks at Twitter uh, would not get much play. Taibbi called that digital McCarthyism. A focus of this fast-growing network, as Mike noted, is making lists of people whose opinions, beliefs, associations, or sympathies are deemed misinformation, disinformation, or malinformation. That last term is just a euphemism for true but inconvenient. Undeniably, the making of such lists is a form of digital McCarthyism. Ordinary Americans are not just being reported to Twitter for deamplification or deplatforming, but to firms like PayPal, digital advertisers like Xander, and crowdfunding sites like GoFundMe. These companies can and do refuse service to law-abiding people and, and businesses whose only crime is falling afoul of a distant, baseless, unaccountable, algorithmic judge. As someone who grew up a traditional ACLU liberal, this mechanism for punishment and deprivation without due process is horrifying. And now you know why the left wanted to uh, distract and, and demonize these guys. Here's Schellenberger with a little bit of a longer clip going even deeper into how troubling uh, what was happening from the federal government and its collusion with Twitter. I've never worked on an issue where so frequently while doing it, I just had chills go up my spine because of what I was seeing happening. I never thought in my own country that freedom of speech would be threatened in this way. And it's just frightening when you get into it. Um, the most recent, uh, our, our most recent discoveries, I mean, I think you understand the process is that we first raised a bunch of concerns around the way Twitter pre Elon Musk was uh, censoring people and creating blacklists, very quickly we discovered that we had FBI agents uh, basically and, and other government officials you know, demanding that Twitter take certain actions. We now know that the Department of Homeland Services, uh, which has uh, had, what's that? Security. Security, sorry, the Department of Homeland Security, uh, you know, had, had to try, try to create a disinformation board. Uh, that went away after public backlash, but we now realize that they have this other enterprise and they've been building out basically mechanisms to proliferate a censorship industrial complex around the country to censor on a whole range of issues. And so you've seen them, you've seen this censorship industry go from, well, we're just fighting ISIS to, well, we're just fighting Russian disinformation bots to, well, now we need to fight domestic misinformation, which is just saying we need to fight against people who are saying things we disagree with online. That's all that means. And I, I mean, it's not a slippery slope. It's an immediate leap into a, a terrifying mechanism that I, we only see in totalitarian societies of attempting to gain control over what the social media platforms are, allow, are allowing. And so, um, yeah, for me, it's just it starts at DHS, but we basically see um, almost every government agency involved. Extraordinarily well said by both of them. And then, of course, uh, you got the Democrats, Jim. Uh, the winner of the Clueless Award has to be Texas Congresswoman Sylvia Garcia, who, first of all, didn't know who Barry Weiss was. And she's written, uh, I think, probably the second most on the Twitter files behind Taibbi, maybe third. But she's certainly well known, used to be a writer for The New York Times, for heaven's sake. Uh, and then she also uh, had this to say about uh, her lack of understanding about how online journalism works. Yet you yourself posted on your your. Um I guess it's kind of like a web page. I don't quite understand what Substack is, but. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Jim, <laughs> that might be a little bit inside uh, baseball. Congressman, for... you see that stack over there? <laughs> What's below it? That's the Substack right there. <laughs> it's like Ted Stevens in the Internet tube, some people were saying online. So, Jim, what do you make about what the uh, Taibbi and Schellenberg were able to say and the way the Democrats uh, behaved yesterday? Yeah, I could see some listeners saying this really warrants being the good martini. I think the answers that we saw from Taby and the others were, were really good. And it certainly gave us a share of laughs from the members of Congress who are clearly had no idea what they were talking about. I, I, I look, I think PJ O'Rourke did a nice little essay early in his career about like what li daily life for the typical congressman is. 
Um, you're usually on at least two committees, uh, sometimes more. And each one of those committees usually has four or five different subcommittees. They constantly are scheduling hearings and markups. Sometimes they schedule them at the same time. Uh, they're off on different sides of the house uh, of the house office building, so you're constantly rushing from one to the next. And the range of topics that you cover on those can, you know, vary quite a bit. And you are not always, you know, it's not always enough time to get up to speed on all the topics that you're discussing. There's no law that says you have to question a witness. There's no law that says you have to uh, offer, you know, an opine at length at these types of hearings. You can genuinely ask, say, you know, you know, you know, defer your time to your colleagues who actually have kept up to speed, or you can get up there in front of the cameras and microphones and say, I don't really know what a substack is, <laughs> but I still think we should be regular. I still think there's something dangerous about them. I still think there's something bad. Um, that old saying, better to keep your mouth shut and have people wonder if you're an idiot rather than to open your mouth and confirm it for you. <laughs> um, but I, I also kind of, you know, I, I said, like, not really tongue-in-cheek, I, I pointed out, you know, Congress should not regulate that which it should not understand, that which it does not understand. And yesterday on Twitter, a lot of people replied, Jim, this, they wouldn't, they wouldn't regulate anything then. Yes, you've caught me. That was my secret plan. Um, but that, like this, this sense, the degree to which our lie, the laws we live under are set by people who don't really understand the topic at hand and are either reliant on staffers or reliant on their colleagues or reliant on what the president and White House staff want them to do or something like that. Like, really, doing your homework is really not too much to ask. You asked for this job. Nobody has suddenly had the seat in Congress thrust upon them unexpectedly. And if you're going to do the job, then by golly, why don't you try doing it well? And that would mean, at minimum, you know, reading a, a uh, basic briefing packet on who's testifying. Hell, just the bio, right? <laughs> who's Barry Weiss? Who are these people? What do they do? Right. So, you know, yes, it, you know, the idea of, of so-called journalists, look, this is, you know, shameless demagoguery. And the only re, you know, reassurance you can take from that is that the delegate from the U.S. Virgin Islands does not have a, a vote in floor votes. I believe they do vote in committees, which yeah. I think is, you yeah. know, based on performances like this, you're fair to wonder about. But, uh, this is, you know, so the reaction of that is bad. Look, there are members of the, Repo of the House Republican Caucus who drive me crazy. Bobert, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates. There, there's a whole bunch of them. That, but then you hear something like this. You're like, aha, okay, that's why I can't vote for the Democrats. Idiots like these, morons who do not buy. Like, it's not just that they're left wing, which would be bad enough, but they're left wing and they cannot be bothered to do the basic reading on the subject that they're holding hearings upon and will ultimately be voting upon. It's utterly infuriating. We're being failed by our legislators. And no, I don't think reading about what you're going to vote on is really too high a bar. Greg. Exactly. And then they were, it might have been Garcia as well, but it could have been another Congress member on the left uh, demanding to know the source for the material. And Taibbi and Schellenberger, of course, wouldn't give it to him. That's kind of journalistic ethics uh, right away. But remember when uh, Republicans wanted to know who was uh, feeding the New York Times and the Washington Post stuff about the Trump-Russia uh, allegations and other things? And uh, journalism is this sacred institution. And anytime Trump would call somebody fake news, it was uh, the First Amendment is teetering on the brink. But if somebody's reporting something that's not favorable to the Democrats, well, now we must destroy them. And that's perfectly consistent in their mind. Yeah, at one point also they raised this uh, challenge or threat or claim that somehow there was something unsavory or immoral or wrong about the fact that uh, all of these reporters were going to financially benefit from this reporting. Do you think the New York Times is a charity? <laughs> you think CNN and the Washington Post and all these other institutes, you think they all just work for free? 
I mean, admittedly, a bunch of the a bunch of the interns are unpaid. That's you know, uh, but like a whole bunch. Of, no, no, that's not the way it works. You know, you know, you want to make a living. You want to make a good living. You want your uh, articles to have huge traffic. You want your books to sell. None of that is inherently. None of that makes what you do wrong. Now, can the urge to make money get in the way of journalistic integrity? Sure, sure. But the idea of well, you're just exposing what's going on behind the scenes of Twitter because you want to make money. Well, actually, I think they're probably genuinely outraged about what they're seeing there too. But uh, hey, you know, at this point, you kind of feel like you're, you know, it reaches a point where it's so infuriating. You kind of wonder, like, beginning with the alphabet is kind of where you'd have to start with some of the misunderstandings here. Bob Woodward, all these books, all this money he's made off of these books over the last nearly 50 years now. It's all from the money, right? I mean, he didn't. Uh, also, yeah, Greg, can we point out, you don't go to journalism for the money. <laughs> That's a bad plan. Certainly not radio. Certainly not conservative opinion journalism. Certainly, you know, life's life's been good to us, but uh, yeah, nobody says, ah, you know, I'm going to be a billionaire by writing conservative opinion pieces. That'll, you know. Yeah, and the other thing, just as an exit here, these guys are not conservatives. I mean, Matt Taibbi, when he wrote for Rolling Stone had the nauseating uh, column where he was celebrating the death of Andrew Breitbart. And Michael Schellenberger is a big-time climate change guy. So these are not people who are interested in carrying the water for the right. They simply saw the left getting so far off the path of even remotely mainstream uh, type of activity here that they decided to, to flag it. So it, it, yeah. it kind of reminds me of the Democrats in the filibuster. There's only like a couple of people here left to even defend the most basic uh, rules of journalism. I don't want to speak on their behalf, but I think it is safe to characterize Weiss, Taby, all these guys as folks who were attracted to old school liberalism or progressivism by this attitude of be standing up for the little guy. We can argue about whether they actually did. We can dispute, you know, but basically that was their their way of looking at the world. That whenever they saw a little person and a big, you know, and a bigger institution at at, you know, at war or in conflict, their instinct was to go to the little guy, stand up for that person because nobody else is going to do it. And now, in the case of Twitter and basically the fact that they had this symbiotic relationship with uh, powerful people in government saying uh, look, if you want, if you think something is misinformation, disinformation, or is somehow wrong, I'll do. You know, I will step in and we'll help you take that down. You know, that basically, if that's not you know, big person against little person, I don't know what is. So I think that's what you know um, stirs that that interest in them, stirs that anger, that passion, that desire to put things right in them. And what is is that you know the big institutions are now on the left, and a whole bunch of leftists are saying, no, no, no we're okay with that kind. That kind of bullying is just hunky dory. Yes. The regular people on Twitter are the same as whistleblowers. It depends which side you're on uh, when it comes to a lot of these uh, folks on the left. With the lab leak theory more prevalent, there's footage showing government officials like Dr. Fauci directly lying to you. With the continued mistrust of government officials on top of the lack of confidence in the FBI, where do we go from here and how does it affect you? Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, Jim. On to our crazy martini now. And uh, if this seems like a repeat, it sort of is, but it's sort of not. <laughs> it's George Santos again. And we've got another just utterly bizarre accusation here. Uh, this is uh, from Politico. Congressman George Santos orchestrated a 2017 card skimming operation in Seattle. The man who was convicted of the fraud and deported to Brazil said in a sworn declaration submitted to federal authorities earlier this week, according to this person, Gustavo Ribeiro Trelha, Santos, quote, taught me how to skim card information, how to clone cards. He gave me all the materials and taught me how to put skimming devices and cameras on ATM machines. And then this guy got arrested. He says Santos visited him in prison and and, and begged him not to rat him out. So, And maybe even threatened some of his friends back in Florida if he did rat him out. So, Jim, the breadth of location, of type of crime, of uh, sleazy activity that may or may not quite uh, amount to crime, this obviously would, is just staggering with this guy. It's, I mean, I, I don't even know where to go anymore. It's, it's, like, it's like there's no accusation on the fraud front that you would hear about George Santos and go, nah, I don't think he'd go that far. I was going to say, I will make one minute, small, maybe even molecular level defense of the accused in this circumstance, which is that there is an incentive to make up crazy stories about George Santos, right? That if you tell this kind of story, people will believe it. And so we, you know, it's always a possibility that some of these accusations are false because they've now reached that, you know, surpassed that threshold of plausibility in the public's mind. People might do this for attention or for whatever reason. Having said that, so many people have come forward who don't seem to have any particular uh, axe to grind against, uh, other than the fact that they feel like he scammed them out of their stuff. And there are enough records to indicate George Santos had interacted with, say, the veteran who said he was supposed, you know, Santos was going to raise money to help his dog get life-saving uh, surgery. That now you simply can't rule this out. And I just kind of, I guess the reason this is our crazy martini and closing out the week is that you get these kind of stories every couple of weeks. It's March 10th. We've been seeing them since like, what, last November, last December? And they just keep coming. And I know the House Ethics Committee has begun an investi- investigation. Those investigations are notoriously slow paced. You know, at some point, George Santos is going to leave Congress, probably earlier than he wants to. I understand the argument, like, oh, he needs to be rejected by the voters. But in this case, like, you know, crimes may have been committed. This is not just some sort of, you know, garden variety lying to the public. And Santos just keeps on going. And the, the, the amazing thing is that these charges just keeps on coming. So it's, um, 
a little depressing that I think George Santos is enjoying the roller coaster of his life. He's enjoying his moment in the sun. And I think he's enjoying the fact that no matter, you know, until the House decides to, you know, vote as one to expel him, he's going to be there. And they're not going to, you know, my guess is most House Republicans will not do so until there's some sort of criminal conviction. Um, I all, I'm all for the rights of the accused, but it does feel like in some case, um, a figure like, like Santos is taking advantage of that and getting to enjoy the privileges of being a congressman when he really never deserved them in the first place. Jim, the moment I'm looking forward to, and I assume he's going to be primaried, and if for some miraculous reason he he wins the primary, he'll be in a general election, you know, his opponent, regardless of whether it's the Republican or the Democrat, will go through this entire laundry list of things he either definitely did or allegedly did, and then you'll get to that awkward moment at the end of the debate when they've been going at each other, hammer and tong, and the moderator says, tell me one thing you admire about your opponent, and then the opponent's going to have to say, uh, well, he's not lazy. <laughs> inventive <laughs> uh inventive or you know he's got a, a wild storyteller i'll tell you that you know. <laughs> that's that's about all i can come up with oh man that's a good that's a good way to go into the weekend jim see you on monday see you monday greg jim garrity national review i'm greg Columbus of radio america thanks so much for being with us today do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already and tell a friend about us as well we'd love to have them listening as well uh thanks also for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews please keep those coming also you can find us on your home devices all you have to say play three martini lunch podcast follow us on twitter he's at jim garrity i'm at dateline underscore dc have a terrific weekend and join us again on Monday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, this is Todd Herman, host of The Todd Herman Show. You might have heard me on Rush Limbaugh's show. I was a regular fill-in for about eight years. I now do a show out of the high mountains of free America because, you know, I got exiled from Seattle. Google Gemini correctly predicts the present day. Mind control matrix. The internet, television, even our phones wouldn't just be distractions, but tools used to manipulate the masses and suppress critical thinking. I said that correctly. Check out The Todd Herman Show every day on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.